Hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. Welcome to This Week in the Association, our NBA recap podcast. Uh, on the line tonight, uh, I have my, uh, he's declaring himself pro, you know, he, he's put in his work in, in, in the NCAA's work for almost free, but it's time to get paid real money. It's Will Stack. Will Stack's in the house. I'm eligible for the draft, looking to go in the lottery. What's up, what's yeah. up, what's up? Yeah, you got to get that guaranteed contract. You don't want to be a second-round pick uh, where they'll probably put you in the G League if you're lucky. Yeah, we've been away for a little bit, uh, just life in general or whatever, so the podcast got out. You've been uh, – you're on the spring break, as they call it. been gallivanting a little bit uh, through the, the the roads of Ohio. Yeah, a little, little getaway for spring break, uh, not your quote-unquote typical spring break. But uh, just the getaway itself is always nice. Um, so, yeah, back, uh, still back at the home place, but still got a few more days to rest and relax before it's back to reality, back to work on Monday. Yeah, starting that countdown for all the people. And the people that we know, they know what that countdown is as we get to summer break. All right, Lane, let's hit this jump ball uh, real fast. Um, I had a bunch of different jump ball topics when I sent it to you uh, on the on on the show notes or whatever but it is spring uh, we've turned the corner uh the blossoms are blooming down in augusta tiger woods is going to tip off sometime later today you're a huge golf fan i am a tiger woods slash golf fan uh what would it mean if somehow tiger was able to kind of have this uh club fed resurgence in the latter half of his career well just having tiger playing this week has already raised the numbers in Augusta, if uh, Tiger is in it on Sunday uh, at Augusta, will be astronomical for the game of golf, for sports in general. Uh, this particular Masters is probably one of the biggest uh, or anticipated events uh, of recent sports history just because of the return of Tiger and the quote-unquote young guns uh, all peaking all at the same time. So to have them with Tiger and a resurgence of field, if you will, uh, bringing it back. Uh, this is laying out to be one of the uh, best masters of, of recent history. Now, we got to see if it all pans out as anticipated, but uh, should be interesting over the next four days. Tiger been playing very well the last couple of weeks. No wins, uh, but a couple of top tens, I think a top five in there as well. Um, hasn't really been able to close out the two tournaments that he was uh, like he was really in contention on Sunday. Uh, I think he is the betting favorite or one of the betting favorites uh, for the Masters this week. Um, CBS has got to be hoping that he's in some version of contention on Sunday. They got to be praying to the Augusta gods. Oh, CBS would absolutely love it. The sports gods. The golf gods would absolutely love it if you see that red shirt, you see the Tiger Woods name on the leaderboard coming down the back nine on Sunday. Uh, that would just be uh, what everyone is hoping for, uh, definitely what I'm hoping for. Um, it would be a, a outstanding Sunday afternoon if that were the case. Uh, I, I definitely have my fingers crossed. I'm looking forward to it, uh, Tiger uh, at the Masters for the first time in, I believe, since 2015. Yeah, and the first time probably he's been a legit contender. 
for maybe even a little bit longer than that based just on, you know, injuries and history. So, yeah. Hopefully he gets out, you know, gets out to a fast start. You know, that's always been my thing with Tiger in these tournaments. You know, his first round is always kind of a, at least in his heyday, was always a little bit of a goof. And then he had to, you know, pick it up on day two, moving day, and then close it out on Sunday. So hopefully he can get off to a good start. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, let's get it on. Tee off. Let's get right. on. All right. All right, let's head into this first quarter. We'll push one of the other uh, topics down to the halftime area. All right, first quarter, hey, man, the injuries in the latter half of the NBA season have been absolutely ridiculous. And it's not just, you know, Lonzo Ball being out. Nobody really cares about that. Um, there's been some major superstars that have gotten injured over this last couple of months of the season, and many of those injuries are going to be heading into the playoffs. They either may miss the first round or maybe even have to come back late in the first round if they need be. So let's just go off the top. Uh, in the East, the Celtics, Marcus Smart and Kyrie, they both may miss round one. Uh, Celtics might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Celtics could be in some trouble depending on their first-round matchup. They've still been playing pretty well of late. You got guys like Terry Rozier uh, stepping up their game. You got the young Bucks, Jalen Brown, and uh, Jason and Tatum also stepping up their game uh, with the absence of Kyrie and Marcus Smart. You know, but Marcus Morris has elevated his game to an entirely another level. So, uh, and when you play good defense, you're always in the game. You know, they uh, likely will not get that first seed as Toronto kind of took care of them last night. Um, you know, uh, a depleted Celtic team coming off uh, a back-to-back, as was Toronto. But, you know, the Celtics will be in every game since they've played good defense, but do they have enough offense uh, to get past that first-round opponent? As it looks right now, that could be Washington. Uh, they're, you know, missing, you know, or still with John Wall still being uh, hobbled as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, with uh, the Celtics, but they really need the scoring of Kyrie uh, if they look to really go deep in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a little worried about the Celtics, and also worried about the, maybe the psyche that would come along with it if they were you know, able to go out in the first round, especially for Kyrie, because you know all that pressure is going to be on him. Even if he doesn't play, he's still going to get the blame for everything if the, somehow the Celtics don't you know, advance far in the playoffs. I think uh, he would get a pass of sorts this year because remember how the year started with Gordon Hayward going down game one. So a lot of expectations really went out the window then. So there's a bit of a pass uh, if the Celtics were to struggle in the playoffs, but you are correct, Kyrie does uh, have all the weight of the city on his shoulders. So he still would get a bit, but a little bit of a pass with Gordon Hayward being out. No doubt. Uh, let's look at the champs. They went through a rough stretch uh, where they're really their big four were out. You know, KD, uh, Clay, uh, Draymond all out for his big time. Uh, Steph was injured, came back, and then subsequently got injured again. Went from ankle to knee via uh, hip. I guess the next thing is something were to happen to him. Steph may be out for round one of the playoffs. The way the playoffs are shaping up, they're locked into the number two. They might wind up with Minnesota or the Pelicans, probably without Steph, and they probably don't want – definitely nobody's going to want the Pelicans out, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. How can the Warriors survive? I think the Warriors would be okay in the first round without Steph. 
you know, Steve Kerr said he would be out for the first round. Uh, I think as long as Clay, KD, and Draymond are there, I think they should be okay in the first round. But the way Anthony Davis is playing, you definitely don't want to see him uh, in the first round. But, you know, if they were to get past that first round, again, sort of like Boston, to go deep in the playoffs, you need your full arsenal. And uh, Steph Curry is part of that, you know, Golden State ensemble. When they are clicking, they need all, all guns firing at the same time. So missing Steph for round two, could be a lot bigger than missing Steph around one. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried about the Warriors. I, you know, all this has been going on all season. I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. They'll be able to turn it on when they want to. But the rash of injuries and, you know, just kind of the, you know, the general, maybe it's, you know, rut of the regular season, you definitely haven't seen that machine. Or you only see it in real small pieces during this season. It's not the thing that they're going to run through the West like they did last year. Yeah, they have been leaking oil a bit, you know, the whole KD uh, with the technical fouls, you know, uh, you know that type of thing, the comments from, from Charles Barkley, you know, saying it's a different KD, which I definitely agree with. Uh, you know, the, all those types of things, being the, the villains, if you will, uh, may be weighing on them a bit. So you're right, it is not the well-oiled machine as the Warriors have been. If they get all their pieces back, you know, you, look, you would think, a veteran team like them would be able to uh, pick up where they left off. But you are indeed correct that the Warriors are not quite the Warriors of last year. I had this push down in a uh, later topic in the third quarter, um, but I'm going to bring it back up. that Something should happen to Vince Carter for that foul on Patrick McCall, right? I mean, that was as intentional as possible, and that kid could have – I mean, that almost looked like a career ender when he failed. Oh, that was definitely uh, uh, not a good play by Vince Carter. Uh, again, I, I don't see ill will and Vince Carter's intentions. A high flyer like him knows what it would be like to be undercut. I think he was kind of caught in between. He was going to challenge initially and then decided, oh, maybe not. And that indecision right in between is what caused him to, to get under McCall. Um, yeah, it was a, a flagrant one, as it was called. Uh, probably should have been even a flagrant two to be ejected, but I think even the reputation of Vince Carter maybe uh, saved him there. Uh, I don't think anything uh, should happen. You know, it definitely was uglier uh, than it than it seemed. It wasn't like a real physical foul. It was just where it happened uh, with him in the air and just the brush underneath. It wasn't a, a vicious, malicious type of play. Uh, so I think that probably saved Vince a bit. Thank goodness uh, McCall is okay uh, going forward. Uh, still not ready to play, but, um, you know, the thoughts of, uh, like you mentioned, a possible career-ending injury, uh, th- those types of things uh, didn't happen. So thank goodness for that. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Joel Embiid, man, as we continue these injuries, uh, he gets the broken uh, orbital bone. He's going to come back with the mask. I'm very curious as to what mask he'll pick since he's such an eccentric. Uh, he'll be out to the start of the playoffs, but that hasn't really stopped the Sixers. Hey, the Sixers thought when Embiid went down, it might be a problem. No problem at all. If they've continued, they're on a 12-game winning streak as they are steamrolling uh, into the playoffs with just four games to go. Things are looking really good. They're currently at the four seed with the possibility of even moving up to the three. 
uh, with just a few games left. So the Sixers are, are firing on all cylinders without their big all-star. You know, uh, Ben Simmons has elevated his game, and, and lo and behold, there's been a Markel Fultz uh, sighting where he's yeah. contributing uh, some uh, some pretty good basketball. J.J. Reddick's been on fire of late. So uh, the Sixers are playing good ball when they need to be, and even when they get Embiid back, you like to see things continue. They could be a, a tough out in the East uh, if things yeah. fall the correct way. Yeah, they're definitely playing well. We'll get to them when we get into the second quarter here. And then Kawhi Leonard, hey, man, nobody really knows. I don't know if the Spurs are just pulling our legs or, no pun intended, or um, <laughs> the players. I don't know, but there's talk that he will be back for the playoffs. Yeah, there's talk he will be back for the playoffs. Uh, I think the competitor in him uh, wants to compete. However, I bet he has some agents. Uh, in his head saying, hey, it might be best just to sit out, go into free agency, and look to uh, start again next year. So he's probably getting, he's really fighting that inner battle, wanting to compete, but on the same note, probably looking to the future uh, where he has, definitely has a bright future looking forward. And I don't think it would be with the Spurs uh, going forward. But, uh, you know, when you're dealing with San Antonio, you're kind of dealing with the New England Patriots where you just don't know. Uh, what's going to happen. So come around playoffs, Kawhi may, uh, you know, make an appearance. But, hey, in the West, you know, with four games to go, San Antonio is not a lock to make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens uh, in this next week and a half. Yeah, um, we'll get to them when we get to the playoff matchups later in, uh, uh, in the podcast. But, yeah, um, I don't think anybody wants to play the Spurs anyway, with or without him, because you know, it's just going to be a tough out. It's going to be however many hard games. Even if you get them out quick, it's still going to be tough. All right, let's get into the second quarter. Um, yeah, we're going streaking. We mentioned the Sixers here a little bit ago, 11 games in a row, the last week plus without uh, Joel Embiid. Um, there was a interview with um, Dr. J the other day. He called Ben Simmons a once-in-a-lifetime talent. Um I'm not sure if I totally agree with that, but, hey, you know, they're not playoff tested. They've won 11 in a row. They're up to four in the East, you know. You know, could the Sixers actually make some noise? Uh, yes, the Sixers can make some noise, and I think Dr. J uh, is probably projecting a little bit for He sees the potential uh, there in Ben Simmons. He, he is a do-it-all type of player. Once he develops any kind of a jump shot, uh, and then the, even the ability to make free throws. So if he goes to the basket and get fouls, it won't be a problem at the line. He then will elevate his game even that more. So you expect those types of things will improve uh, as he goes along, i.e. Michael Jordan, i.e. LeBron James. Uh, similar types when they came into the league, not the greatest of shooters, but they worked on it and got better. So Ben Simmons is definitely trending in the right direction. And his teammates, hey, you're right, not playoff tested. But I don't think I want to play them in the playoffs either because whenever you have those types of talents of Simmons and an MB when he comes back and you get the shooting of, of Redick and even a Markel Folk's appearance, you know, the Sixers are a formidable opponent. And in the East, you know, the only constant is LeBron James. For the rest, you don't know uh, what's going to happen in the East. So the Sixers, uh, they can make some noise. Yeah, I'm just 
I don't know. You know how it is. We watch the NBA for a long time where you get that team that's a bunch of, you know, essentially young and up-and-comers, and there's a veteran team that just smacks them around in the playoffs. And, you know, everybody's got to wait their turn. You know what I mean? You know, Jordan had to go up against the Pistons all that time. The Pistons had to go up against the Celtics all that time. You know, it's just it's so cyclical, and then everybody's, like, looking towards the Kings to see if they can even get out of the East. So I'm very curious to see how this new generation responds to that. You know, do they get beat and then wipe themselves off and come back stronger the next year, or do they kind of fall apart, you know, kind of like the Magic did a few years ago? Well, in a perfect world, you would love to have, or at least probably the NBA uh, ratings folks would love to have a Cleveland-Philadelphia Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think that would be the best matchup ratings-wise, at least, Um but, you know, as it is right now, that might not happen. But you still got some time left if the playoffs fall in the uh, right direction. That is a possible Eastern Conference final. So uh, watch out for those Sixers. Yep. Uh, speaking of the Cavs, four games in a row, another win over the Raptors. There's two wins over the Raptors in the last two weeks. You know, there's that P.E. sign. You can't trust it, uh, even though they're going to be the number one seed. 9-1 and one in the last 10 for the Cavs. LeBron doing his late Michael Phelps kick to the MVP, even though I think it's a little bit too late. Uh, the Cavs are just, they're just a machine until, you know, something happens to LeBron. Well, I tell you, the, the Cavs uh, are, are, again, playing good ball when you need to going into the playoffs, even without their head coach, Tyron Lou, who is coming back here uh, early next week, right before the playoffs. You know, you gotta you got to like the direction they are trending. You know, whenever you have LeBron James, you always have a chance, but he's been getting some great contributions from, you know, Kevin Love is, when he's in the lineup, has been playing well, if he can stay healthy. But you got guys like uh, Rodney Hood really elevating his game and and even Jordan Clarkson, you know, doing his thing off the bench. So they're getting some good contributions from places they hoped they would get when the trades were made uh, at the trade deadline. So the Cavs are, are trending in the right direction. They still need J.R. Smith uh, to elevate his game, but I'm sure he'll get it going come playoff time. Yeah. I, there, is there another team, too, though? They're going to be counting on people that are not playoff tested as well as all the people that they brought over from, like, the Lakers. Um, it's just all going to be on LeBron's back anyway, so it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, LeBron is ready for the heavy lifting uh, you know, if you think of the LeBron team from Cleveland of yesteryear when he took a band of misfits, if you will, to the finals <laughs> against the Spurs, you know, I would this team is better than that team, but you can kind of say it's kind of similar in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, so LeBron is ready to do some heavy lifting. You mentioned the push to the playoffs, or excuse me, to the MVP. Uh, if he isn't in the discussion, like he should be always, uh, you know, he definitely is um, putting people on notice at the end of the season. Yeah, LeBron is also better than that. There's a better LeBron than those misfits that he took to that final back in, too. Uh, he also put Nick Saban on notice, but that's a whole other conversation. All right. <laughs> uh, let's look at the Dubs. Champs got three in a row. Again, everybody back but Steph as uh, Clay and KD have made their way back into the lineup. Still a couple of injuries, um, you know, with Andre Iguodala. He's still, you know, kind of in and out of the lineup, but they're just saving for the playoffs. Um, big win over Oklahoma City the other night. Uh, you know, they're just trying to get to the end without anybody else getting hurt. 
Yeah, they're trying to uh, limp their way in. You know, they are on a winning streak right now. I think the key is health for them. But you mentioned the bench. The bench with Iguodala, with Levingston, you know, they need contributions from the bench uh, for them to succeed. So right now, you know, if you get Steph back, you are heading in the right direction with your starters, but they must get some solid contributions off the bench, uh, you know, for Golden State to continue. You know, again, now they obviously are playoff tested, been there, been there the last few years, two out of three championships of late. So you always want to probably lead, you know, lead, lead towards the champion. You know, you got to be the champion, you got to beat the champion. And uh, for right now, they're still, uh, they're, they're the top dog, even though they're the number two seed in the West. Yeah. Uh, out west again, the Jazz, uh, three in a row up to fourth in the west, a half a game up on the Spurs for fourth and fifth. So they're going to be jockeying back and forth, essentially probably to see who's going to play, have home court advantage. Oklahoma City back in the same boat too. So that four, five, and six spot between Oklahoma City, the Jazz, and and the Spurs, that's going to be one of those things, and one of them is going to get home court advantage in the playoffs. But, you know, the Jazz up to fourth right now with about four, with four games to go. How about Ricky Rubio of late playing? Yeah. Handing <laughs> ball, two 30-point games in the last week and a half. He's uh, getting uh, playoff ready. You know, he's still being led by the rookie Donovan Mitchell. Will he, uh, you know, continue his play into the playoffs? Um, you know, we'll see what the rookie can do. But uh, the Jazz are trending right now. But, again, in the West, just uh, just a couple of games can – have you in or even have you looking out come playoff time. So they need to push these last uh, four games. The last one is the Pelicans, uh, eighth seed in the East, or excuse me, eighth seed in the West, only a game up on the Nuggets who are just out of the playoffs at this point in time. Um, nobody's going to want to play them, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Rockets or the, or the Warriors, they would much rather grab the Minnesota than have to deal with Anthony Davis for those four-plus games. Absolutely no question, Anthony Davis, you know, talking about putting your name in the MVP race, he's definitely uh, done just that for himself as well as elevating his team, you know. But just uh, our last podcast, they were in the four slot, and now they've dropped to the eight slot. So the West is fluid in the playoff positioning. Uh, They really need to finish strong, um, you know, Miritich off the bench has been absolutely fabulous coming over from the Bulls. He needs to continue his play. Uh, but, you know, the Pelicans would be a, a tough out. They play well of late. They really need to finish strong to have good positioning in the West. Yeah, it's just, we're going to talk about that, the kind of the playoff potential matchups again here. As the, like I said, with a little bit over a week to go, a playoff start on April the 15th. Um, but, yeah, so let's get into halftime real quick as Nasir Jones brings us in. This was one of the other jump ball topics, but we wanted to push it to the push it to halftime because it's more basketball-related and we wanted to give Tiger his due uh, as the Masters kicks off today. Uh, the NCAA tournament uh, kicks off. If you've a listener to this podcast, after the first weekend or the first week of them, uh, Will Stacks actually predicted that Michigan was going to win a championship. He was almost there. Uh, as they make it to the finals and lose to Villanova. The Villanova Wildcats win their second title in the last three years. Uh, there's talk of uh, their coach, Jay Williams, maybe, or Jay Williams, <laughs> Jay Wright, leaving and going to the NBA potentially. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Uh, how did you enjoy the tournament, even though the championship game kind of turned out to be a wash in the second half? Well, I'd say the tournament overall was outstanding. The Final Four, unfortunately, didn't quite live up to the billing that it was supposed to. I mean, they had the Cinderella, uh, Loyola of Chicago doing what they did and actually were leading uh, most of that game against Michigan. So about 10 minutes ago, the Michigan uh, power started to take over and they started to knock down a couple shots from the outside. So, you know, Michigan did do their job. And then Villanova, Kansas uh, was a good game except for the first five minutes. You know, when Villanova raced off to a 22-4 to lead, uh, and there was no looking back from that point. You know, Kansas didn't play bad, but when you're playing a team that makes uh, 50% of their threes, uh, you know, that's a tough team to beat regardless of how you play. So, you know, Kansas, you know, they played well, but they were up against a, a juggernaut in Villanova uh not a word you would usually associate with Villanova being a juggernaut, but, you know, when you can spread the floor like they do and they can shoot from all five positions and drive to the basket with all five positions, you know, they're a tough team to guard and they show, and that's why they cut down the nets uh, for Jay Wright and the Wildcat fans. Philadelphia having a great year with the Eagles, with the Sixers, now with Villanova. Hey, what's going on in Philly? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I heard Brian Windhorst talking the other day uh, about potentially him, Jay Wright, moving, you know, possibly to the Sixers, you know, if somehow they, you know, implode in the playoffs or something like that and that'd be a good pull to get LeBron in. I don't, I don't think there's any connection between him and LeBron James. Um, but he's also building a powerhouse in Villanova and he's gotten to the point where he's able to get people to come there and stay for two and three years and you have these veteran teams you know, that can knock off these one and done. So I'm, not, I'm sure Villanova ain't going to be able to back up the Brinks trip as the NBA could or as an NBA team could. But you wonder if he's just content, you know, just living in Philly and winning championships. I would have to think, you know, with the success of late, Jay Wright should be just fine in Villanova as he has made, uh, you know, Villanova basketball power. You know, at least in this decade, you know, they're uh, a basketball power where they've been a top seed multiple years, two championships uh, out of the last three. Uh, so he's definitely uh, doing something, a dynasty of sorts uh, brewing in Villanova. So I think, uh, you know, Villanova better do what they can to keep him. Uh, you know, uh, he uh, is being looked at by some NBA teams. Yeah, the obvious team would be to go right to the Sixers. But why would you interrupt what's going on with Philadelphia as they are, like we said, trending in the right direction? Why uh, upset that by firing the coach? But we'll see what happens. You know, weirder things have occurred. So, But, hey, give it up to Villanova as they cut down the nets in San Antonio. Yeah, cash rules everything around me, though. And uh, that money will always – it always trumps everything. You know, I would be it would be weird if he were to take a job with a – you know, an also ran that's trying to build something, you know, but the college, you know, we've all seen the college in uh, college basketball coach at the NBA has not necessarily been a successful one uh, over the past, you know, 30 plus years. All right. Um, also the ladies tournament though, uh, the final four, at least the two games involving the champions with Notre Dame cuts down the nets, a uh, great final four game against uh, UConn in the, in the semifinals. 
and then a big comeback in the finals as we're going to try it. Arike Oguale hits two game winners, won a freaking dead three at the end of the game against Mississippi State and win the championship. Well, hey, the ladies' tournament was not a great tournament, but their final four was absolutely the most exciting basketball. If you don't watch any women's college basketball, those were the three games to watch. You had two overtime thrillers in the final four games, you know, the upset of the juggernaut Connecticut by Notre Dame, and then you had the comeback by Notre Dame uh, in the finals against Mississippi State, who had every chance to win that game but could not get, get it done. And I'll let you pronounce her name again as she hit two big shots over the weekend to propel her team. Uh, she'll never have to uh, buy a drink in South Bend or anywhere in Indiana ever in life. So uh, give it up to uh, Notre Dame, the team that seems to have, if any team has the Connecticut uh, Husky's number, it is the ladies at Notre Dame. Yeah, and I saw this from Jamel Hill on Twitter or whatever, you know, and I th- she made a, a a tweet essentially just like, you know, hey, you know, it's kind of good that Notre Dame won or UConn didn't because the ability to grow women's basketball, it hurts it that UConn is winning, you know, 100-plus games in a row, four championships in a row. It, you know, it's an ability to spread the talent out there so you don't just have one juggernaut and people kind of tune it out because they just assume UConn's going to win every year. I think the talent is starting to spread out. You know, I think UConn is still going to do their thing, but I think it is good for Connecticut to win, but for them to lose uh, every so often is really good for the game as well, you know, as she mentioned. So, you know, big shout-out to Notre Dame lady fighting Irish for – uh, doing what nobody probably thought was possible, especially with the injury problems they had. They lost not yeah. one, not two, not three, four players to the same type of knee injuries uh, for the season. So for them to still be cutting down the nets in Columbus uh, was a great thing. So big ups to the Fighting Irish, the ladies in Notre Dame. Yes, Aguale. That's it, Aguale. All right. As we head into the third quarter, coming out the tunnel, let's head to look at some of these playoff matchups real quick. Uh, let's look at them in the east and then out west. Uh, the first one for me is the Bucks are pretty much locked in to eight, and then the Raptors are going to be one. Um, you can't trust the Raptors, man. That that has all the makings of a Raptor choke job, and the Bucks making it out the first round. Well, Toronto had problems with Milwaukee. Um, you know, whenever you play a, a star, you know, with Antetokounmpo with Milwaukee, you, you, you got to, you know, that he's going to bring it. And, you know, again, with Eric Bledsoe chipping in, Jabari Parker and others, you know, you got a formidable opponent, you know, because Milwaukee, you know, let's say they really haven't played up to their ability uh, throughout the season. So we know that they're a team waiting uh, to explode, and if they explode at the right time, Toronto could be in trouble in the first round. You know, but seven and eight could possibly change in the East. So, still not sure uh, what's going to happen there with the Wizards, who have been on a uh, kind of a tailspin of late. So, uh, but yeah, if uh, there's a Milwaukee-Toronto first round, uh, watch out, uh, Raptors. They could be in some trouble. Yeah, just a half a game separating the Bucks from the sixth seed. 
which is the Miami Heat right now, and that's the second one I wanted to look at. A 3-6 at this point in time would be the Cavs, who are pretty much locked into three uh, against the Heat, which wouldn't seem like a big deal, but for ratings, gold, it would be great for uh, LeBron having to go back to Miami, Wade playing against the team he started the season for, and, you know, uh, the Heat haven't had, or excuse me, the Cavs haven't had a lot of success in South Beach, uh, I think 0-11 in Miami since 2010, with LeBron being a part of a few of those teams, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a different different beast in the playoffs, though. I think if Cleveland played Miami in a playoff series, uh, you know, Miami would definitely have some trouble uh, over the long haul. They might get a game, maybe two, but overall, you would think uh, LeBron James would find a way to get his team past uh, the Miami Heat, but uh, there would be a lot of storylines if that were to come out. It would be great uh, theater, TV-wise, you know, to have LeBron going against his good buddy Dwayne Wade, who some say LeBron takes it easy, quote-unquote, when he plays against Wade. So uh, that would be interesting in the first round. would be great to see Cleveland versus Miami. Yeah, that that that's the one I'm hoping for. Miami beats like everybody beats the Hawks last night like a drum uh, to kind of solidify their spot there. Uh, a couple of games when we get to the games of the week here about playoff implications. But yeah, uh, I'd love to see that three six, and I'm sure TNT is chomping at it too. Uh, that would be a great three six matchup. And then the four five, I think, is actually would be a great series too. More pro- probably, you know, it has some sizzle to it and some basketball purists to it too. Would be four five versus the Pacers and the Sixers. I, you know, the Pacers aren't battle-tested, so to speak, but they're gritty and rough, and that might be a little bit of a rough-and-tumble series. Probably the one that would give them the rough-and-tumble series to the Sixers that will push them around, none of that finesse basketball. I agree with that. They are a veteran team. You know, they do have players with playoff experience, so uh, they definitely wouldn't back down and in some ways uh, would be the favorite, although you got to look at the young bucks of Philly. But uh, the Pacers, yeah, they wouldn't go down easy. So that would be not the matchup Philadelphia will want to start, uh, but would be a tough matchup. Um, you know, both both teams would come at it. You know, Philly would have the edge and talent, but, you know, veteran savvy might get the Pacers over the top. You can see Lance Steven blowing in ears, tripping people, untying shoes. I mean, you know, all of those things that you – that are annoying that make Lance Stevens Lance Stevens, but to a team that has never been in the playoffs before and not used to his shit, it could definitely be a, like, you know, just get under their skin a little bit. Oh, there's absolutely no question. He would be uh, trolling Joel Embiid on Twitter, on (laughs) Instagram, whatever he can. He would do whatever he can to get in his head, and uh, it would be news. So uh, look out for uh, that possible 4-5 matchup. Yeah, this could be a whole podcast about Lance Stevens and the sense that he should be way better at basketball than he actually is. I mean, talent-wise, uh, he he should be not just an also-ran on a four-seed in the East. Well, Stevenson ran into problems when he went uh, for the big money when he left initially to go uh, chasing the big money. But, uh, yeah, he, he's an interesting character, and uh, he definitely adds something to whatever team he's on. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. All right. Let's head out west. Uh, like I said before, nobody wants the Pelicans at that eight or seven spot. Uh, everybody wants the Timberwolves. 
three six right now would be Portland and Oklahoma City. I'm sure that's a TNT matchup that they would love to see. Yeah, you got to uh, look at the backcourt when you got Lillard and McCollum out in Portland doing big things uh, out west. Uh, going against uh, Westbrook and company uh, would be a great matchup. You know, you mentioned Minnesota being a, a target of sorts, but, you know, sources say Jimmy Butler uh, could return uh, for the playoffs. So if he does and if he can contribute anything, that kind of changes that uh, Minnesota team a bit. So, um, you know, they wouldn't be as easy and out as without Jimmy Butler. But, yeah, that Portland OKC match in the first round would be definitely one to watch. Man, that's going to be high energy as well. You know, Dame Lillard coming off an ankle himself, uh, so kind of getting uh, back into it here for the, the playoffs. And then Oklahoma City, I mean, we've been saying it all year. They are one of the streakiest of streaky teams right now. Uh, both um, Carmelo uh, and uh, shoot, uh, the other dude's name is uh, escaping me right now. Uh, oh, George. Yeah, Paul George, both of them in massive shooting slumps over the last two weeks. Um, yeah. Just He's kind of got Yeah, Paul George uh, somehow all of a sudden is suffering from the uh, Markel Fultz disease where he just forgot how to shoot, it seems, yep. you know. So you got to have Paul George firing if you look to advance if you're OKC. Um, he's a veteran player. I'm sure he'll, he'll find it by the time the playoffs roll around. But he's got to finish the season strong, so they will be there for the playoffs. And that last one, we've mentioned it before. Nobody wants the nobody wants the Spurs anyway. You're definitely not going to want them if somehow there's even a 75% Kawhi Leonard is going to be a dangerous uh, matchup for anybody. And right now they're four or five with the Jazz. Yeah, that could be a, definitely a, a tough matchup uh, for Utah. A tough matchup, whoever will play San Antonio, just because of not knowing what uh, they're going to do with Kawhi. So that's something else. But if we could talk real quick about the Rockets, they're kind of uh, they're fizzling, if you will, coming down a stretch. Even their coach, Mark D'Antoni, who wanted to rest, uh, excuse me, Mike D'Antoni wanted to uh, rest some players, you know, has seen some uh, continuity uh, not flowing. So he wants uh, repetition now going into the playoffs as opposed to rest because resting the players has not worked for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and uh, you and we had talked about this a few podcasts ago too. Like with when Golden State went into their their injury funk and bug, that the Houston was so far up. You know, even even three or four games are so far up in that race. Like you know, y'all should start resting your players because they're going to do that whether it be through injury or otherwise uh, to get themselves ready. So yeah, it'll be it'll be curious again. You know what? He's never made it. Chris Paul's never made it out of the second round of the playoffs. Um, you know, uh, James Harden made it to the finals once with Oklahoma City and then to the conference finals last year where they got washed. So, I mean, it'll be curious to see if their big players play big when it matters the most. Yeah, they better get together for these last few games. They want to go into the playoffs playing well. Right now they're not playing as well uh, as they were, say, a couple weeks ago. No doubt. All right. All right, so let's head into the fourth quarter as we continue our uh our walk through the NBA and the best player ever for their teams. The two teams this week uh, won a an institution in the NBA, and the other one, uh, not so much. <laughs> so, uh, 
<laughs> uh, the two teams tonight are the Los Angeles Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies slash Vancouver Grizzlies. And we before, because we were supposed to do this podcast last week and it got pushed, and we kind of had a little bit of a text chain going back and forth about some of these players. Let's do Memphis first uh, because theirs is probably maybe not necessarily easier because there might not be that standout player, but let's do them because the Lakers one is just so ridiculous. So what about the Grizz? Yeah, the Grizz, let's throw out a few names first that are at least uh, mentionable. You know, their first draft pick ever, Brian, Big Country Reeves, you know, six years, uh, definitely not what uh, was supposed to be uh, for Big Country, but uh, he made a lot of money in a very short time. You know, you have players like Sharif Abdul-Rahim who showed some flashes as a scorer, you know, coming out of Cal, uh, but still wasn't the player they hoped. Uh, when they drafted him number two overall, they had some uh, play from Mike Bibby even back in the day. They had uh, uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Stromile Swift made an appearance. You know, this is while they were in Vancouver. Uh, but then as they made the move to Memphis, you had the Gasol brothers, Paul uh, Powell being there first, you know, then being traded for Mark. Uh, and then you had, you know, Tony Allen was a staple. Rudy Gay had a couple of big years when he was there. But I think the two names you would want to focus on would be Mark Gasol and then, uh, you know, who had a, who's still continuing to have a solid career uh, after coming over in the trade for his brother. You know, he was kind of the quote-unquote lesser of the Gasol brothers. Uh, but he has showed to be a quality NBA player, putting up double-double numbers for a few years, uh, definitely leading the team right now, especially with the absence of, of Mike Conley. You know, but uh, Marcus Gasol is solid. But the number one, at least in my book, top player in Grizzly franchise has to be Zebo, uh, Zach Randolph. Uh, when he came over from Portland, uh, he played eight solid years, uh, with uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and he was probably the piece that took them from, you know, a consistent lottery team to making the playoffs consistently uh, over his eight years while he was in Memphis. You know, he was a double-double machine, even averaged a double-double five of those eight years. Uh, with uh, Memphis, he averaged, you know, 17 and nine, you know, in those eight years. So that's a very solid you know, uh, eight years there for, uh, you know, the Grizzlies when they had Zach Randolph. You know, he kind of played an old-school style on low box, uh, but it was tough to beat. You know, he was a low down low, and you didn't want to play them in the playoffs. So the number one player in the Memphis or the Memphis slash Vancouver Grizzly franchise goes to Zebo Zach Randolph. Yeah, he was in my top three. I The more I thought about Memphis, the more I thought about, you know, more of the names of, like, solid players that they've had that have contributed to their, you know, kind of mid-success and then their later success. I had him there. I had uh, Shane Battier there. You know, he was a, an important piece for them for a while before he wound up moving to Miami. Uh, like, uh, yeah, I mean – they just they don't have like that one dude, you know, especially nobody that was kind of homegrown except for Marcus All, you know, and so maybe he's going to be that piece, but you kind of get the sense that he won't be there much longer either. 
um, as, as they make this transition. Mike Conley, if he could stay healthy, probably has the best path to becoming the best Memphis Grizzly player ever, but he has a hard time staying healthy. Yeah, uh, Conley is the man going forward, especially after receiving that huge contract, uh, but he has to be on the court to be uh, successful. Could be a great one, too, with him and Gasol. We'll see what happens going forward. Uh, you know, the Grizzlies obviously took several steps back this season um, as they will be back in the lottery uh, this year, but uh, we'll see what happens going forward uh, if they can make a resurgence in Memphis. Yeah, I forgot about my other dudes, like Tony Allen and Mike Miller as well. Just solid, you know, kind of NBA players, uh, really just kind of lifers as well, you know, gym rats kind of guys. That's what they've attracted, you know, just kind of hardworking, you know, gym rat kinds of players that just haven't had like the super, superstar to take them over the top. All right. The other team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, where do you start? I mean, really? I mean, really when, you talk, you, when you talk about the Laker franchise, we know it started in Minneapolis, even if you want to go back there, you know, to George Mike and the true first big man in the NBA. Uh, so you could go there, and then you have other just historical names the logo, Jerry West, you know, you got Elgin Baylor, you got Will Chamberlain who had a stint uh, with the Lakers, you know, any of those names uh, would be top in many franchises, but we're talking about one of the, maybe the, along with Boston franchises in the history of the NBA. So, you know, you got other players who definitely played a huge role, James Worthy, of course, you got Shaquille O'Neal, who is just one of the most dominant figures in the history of basketball, uh, definitely when he had his time in L.A. But I won't list him in the top three just because of the time he spent there. It was not long enough. So, And, you know, when you say third in this list is going to be Kobe Bryant, you, you're probably going to say, man, this is an incredible list. But in my opinion, I'm going to put Kobe third. You know, what Kobe did in L.A. is absolutely, you know, unreal, you know, third all-time leading scorer. You know, he played 20 years with the franchise, uh, five NBA championships, and, you know, he was the man, uh, especially after Shaq left. You know, he was, you know, if you want to call him Robin when Shaq was there, you know, he was definitely Batman when Shaq was gone. So, uh, you know, but I'll put Kobe third, and then how can you put the all-time leading NBA scorer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number two on this list, you know, when you have a shot that is still the signature shot that no one could stop with the sky hook, uh, you know, Kareem was a man with, you know, six NBA championships, five of them with the Lakers. You know, he was uh, the figure. But when you think about the Los Angeles Lakers, in my opinion, you think about Magic Johnson. And so for that reason, if no other reason alone, you know, Magic Johnson, in my opinion, is the number one Laker in Laker franchise. You know, shout out to Heath Harding for his comments. Shout out to George Costner, GC, for his comments. Uh, they both agreed that Magic Johnson uh, probably were, uh, is the number one. But you couldn't go wrong with Kareem. You couldn't go wrong with Kobe. But uh, when you think about Magic, you think about Showtime. You think about the Lakers, especially of the 80s, uh, that was 
uh, a team that was must-watch TV, even if you weren't a Laker fan. Uh, you enjoyed watching Showtime Lakers of the 80s led by Magic Johnson. So uh, Magic Johnson, the number one Laker in franchise history. Yeah, when we had put this out there, we were really talking about who's three because you really couldn't mess with one and two with Kareem and Magic. And so, yeah, Shaq, Shaq doesn't get that third spot to me because he moved on. You know, I mean, remember the Lakers were his second team after being in Orlando, and then he winds up leaving there and going to Miami. I mean, Shaq was a Shaq, Shaq was a, a rolling stone there near the latter parts of his career, so he doesn't have the time. But, yeah, one and two are indisputable. You might want to flip them. You could flip them. I don't think anybody would argue with you. But I also don't think, you know, Kobe was Kobe, and but he has to – you know, you have to give him three of those championships. You have to, you know, put him on the back or with Shaq or whatever. So, I, you know, that's why I would push him to three. But, you know, again, Magic got his with Kareem, too. So, it, yeah, it, it's a tough debate uh, as, as a Lakers fan. If you are a Lakers fan, this is a great debate to have. This is like cheering for the Yankees, though. You know, like, oh, who's the greatest Yankee of all time? You got such a history and so many championships that you just, you know, uh, you know, you know, it depends on your era and what you like. Yeah, the arguments can go on forever, and and I'll say even Magic Johnson made the statement that Kobe was the number one Laker of all time. You know, he's the only Laker that has two numbers retired, if you want to say so. um, You know, there there is argument, there is debate that could be made for Kobe, for Kareem, for Magic, and I'm sure some will throw in Shaq, Jerry West, or Elgin Baylor, you know, as well. So. All of those guys, you know, are, are definitely uh, staples in the history of the NBA. Obviously, they are staples in Laker history as well. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. So as we hit the wrap-up, uh, we're getting into a couple of the games of the week. So we're looking at some of the playoff implications. You got any games that you see that are coming up this week? Well, I want to look out west because, you know, games or teams could be fluid in playoff positioning. So I'm going to look towards Saturday. There's two games that really stick out Saturday. You got uh, New Orleans at Golden State is a huge game. New Orleans at Golden State, again, playoff positioning for the Pelicans is key. Uh, They must finish the season strong uh, and even to make the playoffs in general because Denver is, you know, you know, really trying to sneak in uh, only a game behind. But also on that same day, Saturday, you have Portland at San Antonio. Again, jockeying for playoff positioning. And again, even for, you know, Portland being locked in at the three, but San Antonio is not locked in at six. So, you know, it, they, their positioning can be fluid as well. So Portland at San Antonio, New Orleans at Golden State, two games of the week to look forward to. Yeah, I'm very curious as to some of these games as the other teams have just gone into tank mode as the NBA kind of tries to get us over the edge here with this last week. You know, some teams are, you know, there's always that playoff jockeying and positioning, you know, and teams will lay down for other teams to get in um, as has happened in the past. So I'm very curious just to see what teams actually will play it out to the end. All right. Yeah, you look at just real quick, Denver, you know, a team we said one game out, their final four games are versus are at home against Minnesota at the Clippers, who are still only two games out of that final spot. Then they play at home against Portland. Then they play at Minnesota. So a tough stretch of these last four games for the Nuggets if they want to get in the playoffs. So 
you're right. There's some teams that might just lay down for these other teams, but, you know, you got to watch out for some others as well. All right. All right. Hey, what's our uh, song of the week, man? It's going to play us out. All right, playing us out. Today we're going to go back to 1993. We're going to the Kings of Rock. You know, when you talk about the history of rap music, uh, you got to talk about Run DMC. You know, this is the later years, if you will, Run DMC. Yeah. <laughs> 1993, Run DMC with the help of Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Uh, they are Down With The King is our song for this week. And, of course, it is dedicated to the king himself, LeBron James, who if I had an MVP vote, I would vote uh, for LeBron James as he again is taking we'll say two teams because the team he starts the season with is not the team he's playing with now uh, but he's taking this Cavaliers two teams to heights that uh, they thought would be at the beginning and then in the middle was like there's no way this team is going to do anything but now he's got them right back in position to battle for the East and the NBA title so down with the king I am down with the king our song of the week, Run DMC, with Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Yeah, no doubt. This is one of my faves. It was a completely different Run DMC when this came out, too, you know, with the bald heads and looking like Onyx. Uh, <laughs> producing with Pete Rock and CL Smooth. So, yeah, uh, one of my faves when this, uh, when this dropped, actually, later. All right. Uh, all right, so as we start to wrap up, remember, you better find this podcast on SoundCloud iTunes. Google Play, uh, Podbean, uh, I don't know, all your all your favorite streaming podcasting apps, uh, search Brothers Comics. Uh, you'll be able to find me, the producer, at Brothers Comics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Where can they find you, Will Stacks? You can find me at Will Stacks on Instagram. That's at Will Stacks on Instagram and at Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the show. Any topics you want us to discuss as we Look forward to these very interesting NBA playoffs coming up. Yeah, we might step it up into like some kind of quick hitters uh, for playoff action. You know, as the games have shrunk and you know things are happening in the playoffs, we might get some you know some quick hey you know this is you know what happened last night at the playoffs. A uh, little podcast here as we get through, uh, as we get closer and closer to getting it really started now. Is it you know it really starting to start to to really matter now as the NBA season wraps up? All right, man. Hey. I just, uh, right in time for me to go after this lunch duty, uh, to go watch some people eat lunch. So, hey, man, thanks for getting it in today. Uh, we'll see everybody on the other side as Randy and C plays it out. All right, Will Sachs about to watch Tiger do his thing. Will Sachs is out. Dude. All right, y'all. Peace. to be i went to john jay university and since kindergarten i acquired the knowledge and after 12th grade i went straight to college
down with the kings on the mic, a full swing of the P to the R, not an R&B singer. The R to the U N D M C and the fly human beings tonight I hold the key. Flowing with the funk track, hit a soul brother black, pick up the bass, better yet through the space. So let me put my big black twinkie on into the early morning. Had the skins yawning, mecca yo, you want the mecca yo? I make a funky beat so we can blow, check it out. He rocks the boot knock, put you in a headlock, and now all the yada yada flock, cause I'm down with the bass. 